Now this morning, let's bring the word of the Lord. I sent the title out in my emails. Some of you get those and some of you don't, but because some of you got it, I'll start with the title today, The Poison of Passivity. The Poison of Passivity. We're going to read from the Amplified Version of Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. Ephesians 5, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. Man, again, I, 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 don't, I know I say this often, but Scripture means something so fresh in this age of COVID-19. It means its meaning has just, and its impact is so fresh in our lives. Look carefully then how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, and the Amplified says, as sensible, intelligent people, making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. Do not be vague. Live purposely. Again, live with not passivity, but passion. Passive, vague, it really kind of means the same thing. Vague means this, not clearly or explicitly stated or expressed. Indefinite or indistinct in nature or character. Not definitely established, determined, confirmed, or known. Vague or passive. Here is the vague person. Not clear or definite in thought, understanding, or expression. Showing lack of clear perception or understanding. Like a vague stare, for example. The Apostle Paul is admonishing us. And in this time, again, the application of these verses so fresh. And so much, maybe even so much weightier upon us, not to be vague, not to be passive people. Now, passivity comes from the word passive. I think that's obvious. Means this: not reacting visibly to something that might be expected, not participating readily or actively, inactive, not involving visible reaction. Or active participation. Folks, why is America in the moral and spiritual condition that she's in? I believe it's because much of the church in America has become passive. Passive in their faith. Passive in their convictions. Passive in their voting. Passive in their testimony. Take a stand. Oh, no, 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 no. Just, just take a seat. Let somebody else do that. Now, there's not a lack of passion in our country at all. <laughs> That's for sure. But it's a misappropriated passion. We're passionate about our comforts. Passionate about our conveniences. Passionate about our opinions passionate about our politics, passionate about all the wrong things, and passive about all the right, or should I say righteous, 
things in this country. We've no longer a people passionate in defending the faith. We've become comfortable just saying, or, or, or just staying seated as right continues to be called wrong and wrong continues to be called right in this country, as truth is falling in the streets, as evil continues to be good and good continues to be evil. That's what passivity does to a society and to a people. This, this is a truer statement than ever before. As goes the church, so goes the world. I'm talking this morning about the poison of passivity. Let's look at a story here. It's a story many of us know to be called the story of the ten virgins. From Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 1, Jesus is speaking. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, I'm going to say passive, and five were wise. The foolish ones, the passive ones, took their lamps and did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones, the passive ones, said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both of us. And instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us, the passive ones. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you therefore keep watch be passionate not passive because you do not know the day or the hour of the coming of the Lord unfortunately those five passive virgins made a terrible decision a terrible choice not to be prepared and it was the last choice a choice that sealed their eternal destiny forever it cost them their eternal souls i came to tell you today that passivity is a poison and that poison will slowly kill everything you hold dear even your faith it'll slowly kill your vision it'll slowly kill your progress it'll slowly kill your convictions your own personal belief system if left unchecked Passivity can even kill your health. Passivity never accomplishes anything. Passivity never advances the cause of Christ. Passivity never advances the cause of freedom. Passivity never slays any giants or conquers any mountains. There is never a situation that calls for a passive prayer. Hello? Make no room for passivity in your prayer life. I mean, let us as a church declare war against a passive spirit. We're not going to live life passively. We're going to live life on purpose and with passion. 
passion that is focused on the things that really matter. I think Jesus spoke to one of the churches in the book of Revelation, those first few chapters, it was the church of Laodicea. Some of us and most of us know that was the church that Jesus rebuked because they were neither hot nor cold, but passive, lukewarm. And he said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. He was saying, because you're passive, I have no use for you. Revelation 3 is where we read that, verse 15. I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, I don't need anything. But do you not realize you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked? I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you may become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see those whom I love and rebuke and discipline. Those I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest. Repent of the passivity. You know, it reminds me of the story of the prodigal sons. I mean, I I call that, that story different things now. I, I did a message several years ago, and it was in, in, from that passage on the prodigal sons, and, 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 and I showed you what prodigal means, radical, reckless. I mean, it was the father's love. It was the father who was the prodigal. His reckless love, his reckless mercy found that son, the one of the two, that went to a pig pen. Interesting thing is that one of the sons, he had great passion, but he chose wrong. At least he wasn't passive like the other son. I believe when that son that came to himself in the pig pen and was restored to the father's house, I bet he that passion that he always had. You see, God never really ever tends to reach out to a passive person. Another example is Saul, who later became Paul. Saul, God took the passion of Saul in in persecuting the church, the passion of Saul to go after what he saw as the enemy. He redeemed Saul, made him into Paul. He redeemed his passion, got it directed in the right direction, and Saul became, of course, the greatest man, second to Jesus Christ, in my opinion, to ever live. The passion redeemed Look at, look at little David, young boy David, when he was called. What a passion David had. God called him and, and took that passion and used it in a powerful way. Those prodigal sons, one had passion, one was passive. He was passive all the way through. His son was restored, restored to the father's house. The passive son was still angry, bitter. Oh, he stayed in the father's house. Let me tell you something. One of the key, one of the most obvious signs that a that passivity is coming upon you, coming upon your faith, is during praise and worship. (laughs) My friend, there is no place in our faith for a passive praise. I hope you read the same Bible I read. Because the Bible I read, when it talks about praise, it says things like this. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all you people. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. 
Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. The truth is passive praise is an oxymoron. There is no true praise that is passive. There's no such thing. And in the gathering, in the praise and worship, if your praise has become passive, it's a sign, not a good sign either. It's a sign that the poison of passivity has crept in. It's one of the first signs in the gathering, even in your own personal life, your personal walk. The psalmist said, shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous, in your homes, if you will, in your private life. My friend, God takes no notice of a passive worshiper. Rather, it is a passionate praise and passionate worship that gets God's attention. It is passionate giving, passionate serving. It's passionate praying that moves God to action. Oh, how many churches across our land suddenly became passive about a faith essential called community. A faith essential called gathering. Always, had always been in New Testament Christianity a non-negotiable Gathering together. It was always a non-negotiable. Never up for discussion. Oh, but then COVID came along. COVID came along and suddenly gathering uh, became negotiable. Well, you know, virtual will do. Oh, we can't, you know, for everyone's safety. We, for, for, to consider every, uh, everyone else, we can't gather anymore. You don't, and many people left and have never come back and don't intend to come back. Suddenly, you, you see what a passive spirit at work, even in this COVID virus, will cause something as non-negotiable you can't serve God without community. You can't be strong in the faith without community, without the gathering, without the corporate element of our worship. And yet, it, well, because of COVID-19, it suddenly became negotiable. Maybe, maybe not. Folks, we are not a people who exchange covenant for COVID. I told you that not too long ago. We are not a COVID people. We are a covenant people who serve a covenant-keeping God. And we will not exchange a fear of God for a fear of COVID. A passive spirit will cause you to exchange your fear of God for a fear of COVID. And when the Lord gave me that sentence, he took me to Matthew 10, 28. Jesus is speaking. Now, this is strong, this is heavy, but Jesus says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. For fear of COVID-19, many have lost their fear of God. For fear of something that can kill the body, but not the eternal soul, Many people have lost their fear of God. Many Christian people, they've become passionate about COVID, but passive about their faith. 
a fear that can kill the body, COVID-19, but not kill the soul. And they become passionate about the one, I mean passive about the one who can kill both body and soul, destroy both body and soul in hell. And, and Paul, Paul speaks to it like this in Romans chapter 14, verse 8. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. Hallelujah. We are the Lord's. Let us not exchange the fear of God for the fear of COVID. For we are covenant people, not COVID people. If it is the will and purpose of God that the virus called COVID takes me out of this life, whether I live, I live unto the Lord. Whether I die, I die unto the Lord. Either way, I am the Lord's. I will be with Him forever. I will not exchange my fear of God for a fear of a virus that might kill the body, but it's not going to touch my eternal inheritance. No virus is going to touch that. No devil in hell is going to touch that. You see, passivity is not, it's not the absence of passion. There's no absence of passion across America today, as I just mentioned. It's a misguided passion. It's passion about all the wrong things. <clears throat> and that is what passivity does. It poisons your passions and points them away from the things that really matter. <clears throat> the things that really matter. <clears throat> now, I'm going to give you just a real practical illustration right here. Give you a little lesson on uh, uh, sound system technology which we just updated last year to, to a great new sound system but sound system technology there are two types of main speakers like you see there two types there's a speaker that's called a passive speaker a passive speaker these are passive means that alone they make no sound you can't send the instrument, the vo voice, the, pian the keyboard, the guitar. You, can't you, could, you could plug it in there and nothing's going to happen. That's a passive speaker. An active speaker is this right here. This is plugged into electricity. It's active. It's got a light on it. It's got controls on the back of it. It's got a power switch on it. This is an active speaker because it's got a little amplifier built into it small i turn that thing around turn these off and ain't nobody gonna hear much of anything you see how we use this little active speaker so the singers can hear it's an active speaker with an amplification built into it these are passive these have amplifiers now i want you to notice something about the amplifier the amplifier is not out on the shelf, out in front for you to see and admire and look at. This is what we see and admire, the, the, the speaker cabinet out here. But it could do nothing without the amplifiers back here sending the power to it. And these speakers would make the roof rattle if we wanted them to. <laughs> That's the difference. A passive speaker needs a power source. Hello. 
Let me tell you something, folks. We are passive without the power source, without the amplifier of the Holy Ghost. Now, in and of yourself, there is a little amplifier in you, and it's called the soul. It's a little one, kind of like this guy has. It's a little amplifier in there. And if you try to live by that and live by the little power that your soul and your emotions and your opinions give you, I mean, you're not going to get very far. But if you'll plug in to the amplifier, it's back here. You can't see the Holy Ghost either, can you? You can see, this is what we see, this outward passive cabinet. But if I'm plugged into the amplifier, plugged into the power source, the sky is the limit. Nothing should be impossible because the power source of heaven, the amplifier of heaven, who is the Holy Ghost, connected to that speaker. Now you plug anything in and you know you hear it because some of y'all, I heard you I heard you thinking I heard you thinking yeah well it has been too loud lately if you want to know what I think but anyway when you plug into the <laughs> when you plug into the power source and I didn't make that up you look it up online google passive speaker see what you find passive there's no power you have to have a secondary power source, the amplifiers that sit back here out of the way. The Holy Spirit doesn't exalt himself. He just, he's behind the scenes. He's living in, here on the inside of you. But people know if you're plugged into the power or not. People should know. You certainly should know. The difference between an active and passive. Active, little power built in. You know, people that aren't connected to the Holy Spirit. I mean, they still work. They have a job. They still function. They have a little power in here, physical, you know, from the biological, whatever, from the biology and the physiology of the way the body's made, a little strength. But again, we that are plugged into the power source of the Holy Spirit, in our weakness, He is strong. <laughs> in our weakness, He is strong. In our weakness, His grace empowers us you can put a passive worshiper and an active worshiper side by side, and you, you know, it'll look the same on the outside, but oh, when it's time to worship, you know the difference. You know which one is connected to the power source and which one is not. Because, my friend, that's why the Bible says, not in our own strength. It is God who is all the while at work in you and me, both to will and to work of His good pleasure. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, now, the early church learned this. I want us to look at in a, a situation in Acts chapter 4. They'd been persecuted. They'd been arrested. Let's look at this. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, it says, When they saw, they the council, they the authority of the day, saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And they acknowledged these people were connected to the power. But since they could see them, the man, this man, they had just done a miracle of healing a blind man. He said that they could see the man being healed standing there with them. There was nothing they could say. So they ordered the, the disciples to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and then they conferred together. They met together. What are we going to do with these people? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign, and we cannot even deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer in this name, the name of Jesus. 
Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. I mean, say what you will about Peter, but Peter was anything but passive. Anything but. Now, his passion led him astray. He's not the only one. I just mentioned to you the one of the two prodigal sons. His passion led him astray. God restored him, redeemed him. Saul, who became Paul, of course, passion led him away. God redeemed his passion, used him mightily. Peter, his passion led him astray. He denied Jesus. But who did God choose? Because, see, there's something about redeemed passion. When a gang member, uh, uh, when a criminal thug gets redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and you put a Bible in their hand, the first thing they're going to say is, where's the trigger? How do you fire this thing? Their passion is redirected. And they do great exploits. Again, I only wish we had a follow-up to that son after the banquet was thrown, when he came back out of the pig pen, if we just knew what his life looked like. Because I guarantee you he was passionate about serving the father's house from that day forward. No, No passivity in him at all. And my friend, even when passion takes you astray, God has a way of bringing you back and redeeming your passion for him. Jesus chose Peter. I believe a lot because of the passion in Peter. The redeemed Peter to preach that premier sermon, that first sermon on the day of Pentecost when the church was born. A sermon that resulted in thousands being saved and born into the kingdom of God. And may we be the kind of Christ's followers that say we cannot help but to speak about what God has done. We cannot help but to speak of what we have seen and heard. We cannot help but to speak about His power and His love. Threaten us if you will. Cancel us if you will. Censor us if you will. But we will listen to God and not to man. We will follow in the footsteps of Jesus no matter what. Hallelujah. The person who was the most passionate, I believe, about their sin becomes the most passionate about their Savior. Now let's let's read read on. Verse 21, after further threats, in Acts chapter 4, they let him go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, look what they did. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign God, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Let me just say that this has such a right now application for so much of the body of Christ in the nation of Afghanistan. Because right now in the nation of Afghanistan, their chief priests and elders are the Taliban. They're the Taliban who are threatening, renounce your faith, face execution. Folks, may we continue to lift our voices up with them in passionate prayer. 
continually to God for God to spare the lives of our brothers and sisters across that nation. Verse 25, you spoke, they're praying now, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? Look, are the kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Man, this, the, again, this is a picture of what's happening in Afghanistan. In verse 7, 27, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. These early believers had a choice to make. Exchange passion for passivity? Well, they quickly chose passion, and the Holy Ghost backed them up. Verse 29, Now, Lord, consider their threats, and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke the word of God boldly. Man, it is my prayer that God, through the prayers of the saints and the intercession going up on, on behalf of the nation of Afghanistan, that God will strike them with blindness, that he'll strike them with deafness, that he'll strike them with leprosy, that he'll cause them to be confused and turn on one another, that supernatural intervention, signs, wonders, and miracles. Because let me tell you something, sometimes a miracle does a good thing for somebody, but it does something terrible for somebody else. Because a miracle is just a demonstration of the supernatural power of God. And I pray God begin to demonstrate across Afghanistan that those chief priests and elders there, those Taliban, do not have the final say in the, in that, in the lives of the people of God. Holy Spirit, fill us again. Wait a minute. I think most of them were all just filled, weren't they? Just two chapters back, in Acts chapter 2, they were all filled. Two chapters later, which most believe was not, but maybe weeks, they're saying, if that long, fill us again. In Acts chapter 2, there was a sign they received called tongues. Well, in Acts chapter 4, the sign or the result was not tongues, or the evidence of that feeling was not tongues, it was boldness. Holy Spirit, fill us with boldness. Folks, the history of our faith is filled with passionate people who made passionate choices and prayed passionate prayers like that one who led passionate campaigns and movements. Many would even be called revolutionaries, pioneers and trailblazers. And we are in desperate need of the same today. The boy David chosen to be king was dropped right in the middle of a passive army who were facing the giant Goliath. On the outside, the army... It looked ready. 
They looked brave. They looked prepared. They had all the outward uh, 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 tools and weapons of being a great army. But on the inside, passivity had poisoned their souls. They had exchanged their fear of God for the fear of the enemy. My friend, passivity will drain you of all power to conquer your enemies, to climb your mountains, to rise above every circumstance that challenges your faith. Church, this is the prayer we must be praying in this hour. Look how they're threatening us, oh God, in this country. Look how they're trying to mandate whether we get a vaccine or we don't. Look how they're trying to control our, the movement in our personal lives. Look how they're trying to monitor and, and, and watch and, 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 and report and track. And oh God, look what is happening. Nation, consider these threats, Father, and enable us to speak your word with boldness. Stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed that, and I believe if we will begin to pray that, the place, our lives, your situation, the mountain that's in front of you will begin to be shaken, and the Holy Ghost will fill you, not with tongues, maybe many of you already got that, but it'll fill you with boldness. This is the hour, church, for bold prayers, bold praise, bold witness, bold giving, bold worship. This is the time for a baptism, another baptism of the Holy Ghost that will give us boldness and will destroy any trace of a passive spirit from our lives. Hallelujah. Heaven responded to that prayer. They decided we make no room for becoming passive. We will not exchange our fear of God for fear of COVID, for fear of government, for fear of threats, for fear of vaccines, for fear of mandates. They made no room for passivity. My friend, if I'm going to die, let me die standing on my feet with a sword in my hand, not a piece of cake in my mouth. the world's going to hate us, let us hate us for what we stand for. Let them hate us for what we stand for. Not what we're against. The church has been known long enough for what we're against. May God help us to be known for what we are for. Things like prayer in public places, we're for that, including the schools. Protection of innocent life, of unborn life, we're for that. Protection for personal privacy, we're for that. We're for freedom, both national and personal. We're for loving our neighbor, even as we love our God. We are for the right to worship our God whenever and wherever we choose. We are for the prisoners, the orphans, and the widows. We are for truth no matter the cost. We are for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the hope of all mankind. So all I really came to try to tell you today is live your life on purpose. Don't be vague. Don't be passive. Don't worship passively. Make the choices you make and make them on purpose. 
Don't ever be like a child with God who uh, uh, we all know what children say when they get in trouble, when they make the wrong decision, when they do the wrong thing. The first thing they say to their parent is, I didn't do that on purpose. May we never say that to our God ever. Use your words, use them on purpose. Put away childish things. This is the hour, church, to praise with purpose. Worship with purpose. Pray prayers on purpose. Fight the good fight of faith on purpose. Forgive on purpose. Love on purpose. When you love someone, make sure they know it and make sure they know you meant to love them. You loved them on purpose. Live with passion, not passivity. Be intentional, not vague. To this day, my dad, all of my life that I can ever remember, little colloquialisms and sayings that would come out of my dad's mouth, to this day, I'm 60 years old, and he'll still say this to me at times. Well, son, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. Now, for years, I'm like, what? You've said that all of my life. I'm like, you know, I had to mature and get older and deal with stuff to understand what he meant by that. In other words, if you're going to be a bear, don't be a koala. If you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. Fearless, passionate. Ain't no passivity in a grizzly bear. Friends, I want to just tell you as, as I get ready to close this message, if you're failing somewhere in your life, you can trace it to passivity. I believe that. If you're failing in a relationship, you can, you can trace it to passivity. If you're failing in your health, many times... Passivity somewhere in how you're eating, how you're taking care of your body. If you're failing in your career, you can trace it to passivity. If you're failing in education, if you're failing in your prayer life, you can trace it to passivity. Therefore, let's not be vague, let's not be thoughtless, let's not be passive, but let us firmly, as the Apostle Paul exhorted, understand and grasp hold of the will of God. Let us run with it, leaving all passivity behind us yeah there is a vaccine that we all desperately need it's a vaccine of a baptism in the Holy Ghost that'll give us boldness like we've never had before let's stand together Holy Spirit baptize us again Lord don't let passivity and it just creeps in that's the whole nature of uh, the word pass just shh just sit down. No, don't make a fuss. Don't say anything. Don't be too loud. Don't, don't tell them. That's none of your business. Don't speak. No, you don't have the right. No, uh, Lord, we just rebuke in the name of Jesus the lie of a passive spirit, the passivity that destroys life. It sucks life and passion and purpose out of your people. And Lord, we will not be a passive church. We will not be a passive people. But we're not going to give you a passive praise. How insulting that is to our God who gives us our very breath that we bring you a passive praise. There is no such thing in the kingdom. Lord, fill us with the Holy Ghost that leads to boldness. 
Stretch out your hand in the midst of the impossible. Stretch out your hand over Haiti. Stretch out your hand over Afghanistan, oh God, and perform in the name of the Holy Son, Jesus. Perform signs, wonders, and miracles that will bring glory to the name of Jesus that will make it very clear who is the authority in heaven and in earth to the wickedness of the Taliban. Oh God. Move by your power, Lord. Send reinforcements, we pray. And Lord, help us, help us every day to be intentional, passionate, not passive in our walk with you. We need boldness like never before. Lord, we do not fear COVID, we fear our God. We are not COVID people, we are covenant people. We are not passive people. We are intentional on purpose, living out our faith in these troubled times. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for who you are. You're the power source behind the scenes. You're not up front. You're just there to bring glory to Jesus. And when we're connected to the power source, uh, everybody knows it. We know it. Everybody knows it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Baptize us fresh in the Holy Ghost, Lord, we pray. With boldness like we've never known before. Lord, restore radical to our faith again. Restore revolutionary to the faith of your people again, O oh God, in these days. We desperately, as a nation and even as a church in this land, we desperately need to be radical and revolutionary in our love for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be dismissed this morning.